Well, let's pray. God, would you give us that thrill of hope here this morning in a world where so many are filled with anxiety and fear and worry. Lord, we need hope. We need joy. And so don't let us miss you this morning. And so we pray, O oh Lord, connect with your people, Lord, that you so dearly love and grab a hold of our hearts today that we might see Christmas in a new light and the joy that comes from this story. For we ask it in the powerful and mighty name of Jesus in whom we just sung and whom we pray. Amen. Well, a number of years ago when I was living in California, I had an opportunity to be the pastoral advisor for the Rose Bowl Parade float. The Lutheran Hour Ministries had presented for a number of years a float in the Lutheran Hour Parade. And that last year I was there as I was moving, they're like, we'd love to honor you. If you would be so willing, uh, would you like to ride on the float that year? I'm like, absolutely, I would love to ride on the Rose Bowl Parade float. I mean, how many people get a chance to say that? That would be quite an honor. That was the float that I rode on. You can see the Bible in the back. Out of that sort of came the manger in there. That was the manger scene. And then we have, obviously, the ark that is there. And so Noah was a part of that. Moses was on the front with the Ten Commandments there. We had a Jesus uh, figure, an older one on there as well, that he was there, a part of that. Now, my role in that was... I got to play Joseph, Mary's husband, in there. And so here's a picture of me and Mary. Mary was the young daughter of the executive director for Lutheran Hour Ministries. So she's like 15 years old in the picture, and she gets to hang out with me all day. I'm sure that was a highlight of her experience as well with that. So she got to play Mary and Joseph. And you got to get there when you're in the Rose Bowl Parade. You got to get there about 4 a.m. in the morning to get a costume and go through security. And then you get all the parade floats lined up. And so we're there early in the morning. And some of the diehard people that are sleeping outside to get a good view of the parade, uh, will take time to walk by the parade staging area and get an upfront close look at all of the floats that are there. And so, you know, you can hear people as they go by, oh, look at it, it's Moses. I oh, look at it, it's Jesus. And they're waving. And then somebody comes by and they see Mary and I like, oh, look at it, it's Mary and Joseph. I'm like, oh, we get recognized. That's good. That's wonderful. And then somebody came up and said, could we get a picture with you? I'm thinking, oh, yeah, certainly. Yeah, you can take a picture, absolutely. And to come up, and no kidding, the guy comes up to me, hands me his camera, and says, here, can you get a picture of me and Mary? <laughs> yes, I can. And so I rode on the float, and uh, there's a TV side of the float and the non-TV side of the float. And when you build the floats, you know that. Um, I was not on the TV side of the float, which shouldn't be a surprise to anybody um, standing here. So you can't even really see me. You see Jesus there. You see Moses um, there front, and you can sort of see Mary there in the back. You can barely see a little speck of blue on that side. Uh, when you get in a little closer on this, somebody sent me a picture. Look at I can really see you on TV. There it is, the top of my head, the little blue band right behind Jesus there and Mary. They get sort of front and center on the camera, and there is me sort of in the back. That's about as close a shot as I came on national TV, riding on the Rose Bowl Parade. So five hours of doing this kind of thing, and uh, nobody recognizes or sees you. And I'm riding through that, and I'm like, this has got to be how Joseph felt. You're just sort of that insignificant, unnoticed, unimportant part of the story. And I tell you, if that is the way you are feeling today, that maybe you are feeling unimportant. <laughs> that maybe today's message you can grab a hold of and connect with. 
Today, as I've talked to educators and school counselors, one of the things that I hear more often, they said, I have never seen a year like this with the levels of anxiety and depression in students today. It is a pandemic, and it's not getting better. And I tell you, we live in a world, 2020 has been crazy, and it has been difficult and hard for so many people. And so as we live in this kind of world, we need the thrill of hope. That's why I love this series. And to give props to Pastor Jed, he was the first one months and months ago. I said, why don't you really just spend some time and try to come up with an outline by which we can dive into Christmas and celebrate this year. And so he went to work, and then all of us sort of threw our two cents in. And out of that came this series, Thrill of Hope, which Pastor Jed started a couple weeks ago. If you missed any of those messages, I want to encourage you to go to our YouTube channel or our Facebook page and check those out. Because he started with the first, is hope is coming. We live as Jesus follower kind of people. There is a hope that is yet coming, and we celebrate that. And then last week, Pastor, um, Pastor Tim was talking about this idea that we are sometimes expect the unexpected. And he had a line in there that I thought was so good that made it into my journal when he said, what if God rewrites your life script? What if that is what God is up to and doing this year. So regardless of where you find yourself, I hope you're able to connect with us because I have a feeling that you need joy today, that you would like to rediscover that resounding joy again for your life. And that's what we're gonna dive into today in this thrill of hope, talking about where does this joy come from. So let's dive into our text and you can see it online or you can um, look at it up on the screen or if you've got your outline there, open up your Bibles. Luke chapter one, what we just read a moment ago, verse 39. At that time, well, what was that time? Well, this is the time where Mary, uh, who has been visited by the angel and says, you're gonna be carrying the son of God in you. You're gonna become pregnant. And even Elizabeth, um, your relative, is already six months along. And so at that time, after the angel leaves her, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea where she entered Zachariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. Now, I realize that that probably sounds like boring detail. But one of the things I've realized in following Jesus is there is never just boring detail. That everything is there for a purpose. It is a living word. And so not to nerd out on you too much, but I was beginning to, like, why is this here? Why is the detail about where to go? Why is that here in Scripture? And so I did what a lot of pastors do. They sort of nerd out, and they pull out all their little commentaries of different things that people have said about different texts. And I read through a bunch of them. I came across one, and I'd never read this before. He said, we have seen this story play out years ago in 2 Samuel chapter 6. So I grab my Bible and I'm opening up to 2 Samuel chapter, what is 2 Samuel chapter 6? Well, it's a story of King David. And King David wants to bring the ark into Jerusalem. Now, those that don't know, uh, the ark, that was the presence of God. There's an artist rendition of it right there. That was the presence and the holiness of God, that no one could touch it or be around it. They'd take it into battle. This was the very presence of God that was carrying. And, and David wanted to bring that into Jerusalem. And so 2 Samuel, 2 Samuel chapter 6 says, David went into the hill country in Judea. 
And what did he do? Well, there was a lot of rejoicing that was going on as they were going to get the ark and a lot of sacrificing, a lot of dancing, a lot of celebration. And they go to the house of Obed-Edom where the presence of God, the ark, had been resting for three months. And the presence of God was there and the blessing of God was in that home. And then you have David saying, how is it that, that the presence of God is going to be able to come to me? And he's reflecting on that and repeating that refrain over and over. And he goes to get the ark with great rejoicing. Now, why do I say all that? You start seeing some of the parallels in this story. That here's Mary traveling up into the hill country. And she is the very presence of God. That's what she's carrying in her womb, is the very presence of God, and travels into the hill country. And, and Mary greets her. There's a blessing upon her home. And oh, and guess how long she stayed there? Three months. Of course she does. <laughs> and this is just a little breadcrumb that God left some 800 years beforehand for Jewish people to find. Like, I've heard this story before by going into the hill country in the presence of God and staying there for three months. Where have I heard that? Be? Oh, this is the ark of God. And so God was orchestrating everything in history to bring about this moment. And this is one of the reasons why you can have joy and I can have joy amidst the craziness of what's going on in our world today. And that's because God is the one who is controlling history. We worship a God who's in control of history. Everything is under his control. There's nothing that is outside of his realm of being able to touch and to use and to do. See, our, our minds, we have this ability to look back on history, and you've probably done this. If you've lived a few years, you've had an opportunity to do this, where you look back on maybe a difficult season of your life, but you can see how that was all lining things up to get to where you are today. But man, I would never want to go through that again. But man, I could see what God was doing and how he was orchestrating all of those things. We can look back on history and see that happen. What God is able to do is do that into the future. God knows what's coming. And so he leaves these little breadcrumbs along the way. And maybe if I live another 20 years, I'll be able to look back on 2020 and go, oh, now I can see what God is doing. But we worship a God who already knows what he's doing. He knows what's coming. And this is why we can have joy, because regardless of the chaos of the world, that we know that God is in control of all things. So I love where God leaves these little breadcrumbs along history, these little hyperlinks going back into the Old Testament. And like I did this before, I just want you to know, so when you see it again, I was planning this. Mary wasn't an accident. And I had set this thing up a long, long time ago. Verse 41, when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. So in a loud voice, she exclaimed, blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. Here's another little interesting fact as you read through the Bible. In Jewish thought, there is not a different word for a baby in the womb and outside the womb. So a child is the same word for inside and outside. And there's great theological significance to that truth because it doesn't matter. Um, God says this is where life begins. It's inside the womb. So the child is a child inside the womb. You don't become a child when you uh, are born. You become a child when you are knit together in your mother's womb. And the reason that is significant is because that's where our value 
comes from. And it's a reason we can have joy. I can have joy because I have value. And I don't have value based on the world says I have value. I have value because the author of life, the one who created the world, says I have value. And so regardless of your age, regardless of what you can give to the world, you have value. And that should bring us great hope and great comfort and great peace and great joy. Because it doesn't matter what's happening around us. It doesn't matter what's happening to us. That my life has value. This is what was radically transforming the church in the first century. These crazy Jesus followers remembered these words of Jesus and took them to heart. Back in Jesus' day, kids were really a nuisance and a bother. They really didn't have any value. And so when kids would gather around and, and moms would want to have the kids get blessed by Jesus, the disciples were pushing the kids. He doesn't have time for kids. He doesn't have time for this children's ministry. Just push them away. And Jesus said, no, no, no. Let the little children come to me. He was turning the world upside down. These children have value to me. In a world where women were often seen as property in Jesus' day, he would sit down with a woman at the well. He would call women to himself. Uh, he elevated the status of women. And this is what early followers of Jesus did. In, in that kind of world, they began to elevate the status of women, and it radically transformed the world. Kids would often just be left on the side, and followers of Jesus said, no, Jesus said everybody has value, and we're supposed to love one another. We can't let these kids just be out in the streets by themselves. And the first orphanages came from followers of Jesus in the first century. They looked at people who were suffering, and the first hospitals came out of followers of Jesus who said, we can't let people suffer by themselves. We've got to come alongside and comfort them and, and help bring healing uh, to their lives. And so the very first hospitals were formed by Jesus followers, which is why even today you see a lot of hospitals named after saints, because their roots go back to Christians loving one another. Man, what if, what if that were true today? that the mark of Jesus' followers were one of, look at the way they love one another. Look at the way they value one another. Not just value the people who see the world they do and think the way they do, but they value all people. And they can see, even if it's just a glimmer, a little flicker of hope inside of someone's soul, that they're living so far away from God that you can barely even see a flicker of hope in their heart. But you see them differently because you see the value that God placed in them, because they too bear the image of God. How our world would be different today if we could live in that kind of way. Verse 43, but why am I so favored, Elizabeth says, that the mother of my Lord should come to me. If you would, just take a moment and put yourself in Mary's shoes. Here's a young teenager, heard from an angel. I'm carrying the very presence of God. I don't even know what it's like to be pregnant. I didn't learn about pregnancy. I didn't think I'd be pregnant before I got married. Here I am, and I'm in this situation. I don't know what's going on. I go to visit Elizabeth, because that was the last word I heard from the angel, that Elizabeth is gonna have a child in her old age. I wanna go visit her and see. And what does she hear from Elizabeth? Because Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit. Why am I so favored? that the mother of my Lord should come to me. What does she hear? 
she hears the very first confirmation of what the angel spoke to her just a little while before. Why would God do that? Could have just let Mary on his own. I sent an angel. God sent an angel. And then God sent Elizabeth, filled her with the Holy Spirit. And Elizabeth gets to confirm what God had spoken to her. Why did God do that? Because he loves her. Why does God do this? Because he loves you. <laughs> this is another one of those reasons that, that we can have joy. I, I can have joy because he came and, and he still shows up. He showed up and he still is showing up. He showed up in the baby, in the womb, and in Mary's life, and the very presence of God was in that womb. The power of God born and made his living among us. Lived out his life. And he still shows up. One of the things I love to do is I love to collect stories from people how God has just spoken to them. And I've shared some of these stories before, so I won't go into great detail. Um, but I met a guy one time through a friend. He said, you've got to meet this guy. And he was a carpenter. He made high-end um, cabinets for custom homes. And he said, man, I was about as far away from God as you could possibly be. I had sort of grown up in church, but I had rejected that a long, long time ago. And I'm just living for me and doing what I wanted to do. And, and I'm making these cabinets. I had this whole stack of wood there. And I, I pull off this thing of wood, and I look. And the next piece of wood, I saw the face of God. And I was just enveloped with the love and the passion of God. And he just grabbed a hold of my heart and it transformed my life. And so I asked what probably a lot of you are asking, can I see the piece of wood? <laughs> I'm like, can I see it? He's like, oh yeah, no, I keep it. It's never far away from me and I've got it right out here. And he pulled it out of his tray and he showed it to me. And I'm looking, I'm like, wow, that is a unique piece of wood. Like the grain is different. You can tell there's something different about this piece of wood. But I'm like squinting at it. I'm trying to see the face of, of Jesus in there. I'm like, I sort of get it, but man, it doesn't pop out at me like it did to you. And I just start chuckling. He's like, what's, what's so funny? I'm like, isn't that how great our God is? That he would use a piece of wood to get a hold of a carpenter's heart. God spoke uniquely to you. This piece of wood isn't for the world, it's for you. God so loved you that he gave you this piece of wood to grab a hold of your heart because he cares about you. A number of years ago, it was uh, about December time, I came into my office on Sunday morning and my little red light was blinking on my phone as I listened to the voicemail early that morning and it was from a, a guy who's a pizza delivery guy and he said, hey, I just wanted to call you. I'm really angry and upset. I'm like, oh, I have no idea where this is going. And he said, uh, one of your members came and just berated me, and it so upset me. He was making fun of me and cursing at me and doing all kinds of stuff. And, and uh, so I had his name, so I Googled his name, and I saw his Facebook page and saw that he had done some stuff at St. John's. So I just figured you'd probably want to know if one of your people were treating people that poorly. And I don't even know why I'm calling. Oh, just forget it, and hung up the phone. I thought, wow, that's a weird message to get on Sunday morning, and thank God for caller ID, because I had the number. <laughs> and so I called him back after church that day, and I said, man, I'm so sorry that that was your interaction with that. Can, can you get together with me? I would just love to personally apologize in person and just talk to you a little bit. And so that hit off uh, a friendship that we've had for a number of years now. And just a few weeks ago, we sat down for lunch and sort of laughing about that story because he said, man, that was a moment that God sent me on a different trajectory. 
that God got a hold of me and you got a hold in my life and there's somebody else that God put in my life of another Jesus follower and another pastor came into my life. He said, it just is amazing how God just set all of these kind of things up. Now, let me be clear. I'm not saying, um, by the way, go and order a pizza and berate pizza people and scream and holler at them. That is not the point of the story. The point of the story is that God can use even just mistakes that we use to transform a life for eternity. God is still showing up in the hearts and lives of people. Verse 44. As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, Elizabeth said, and now she recounts what she had experienced happen. She tells this to Mary. The baby in my womb leapt for joy. Man, blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. I don't know if it's an American thing. I have a feeling it is. I'm not sure the world wrestles with this like we do. But I get a sense that most people feel that joy is just around the corner. That if only I could get there, then I would have joy. If only I could get this, then I would have joy. And I think this story reminds us of something completely different. That joy doesn't come from what's going on around you. It's from what's going on inside of you. That's where joy comes from. It's what's going on within you. That is where joy resides. Because that same presence of God that was in that ark and that same presence of God that was in Mary's womb is that same presence, if you are a Jesus follower, lives inside of you. And that is where joy comes from. Regardless of the circumstances of life, that is a joy that never fades and goes away. I was talking this week, one of our members was seriously ill in the hospital, and because you can't go and visit, the only thing you can do is pick up the phone and call, and so I, I called him, and uh, boy, it, it was not looking good uh, when I first talked to him on Wednesday, so I called him again on Thursday to see how he's doing, and fortunately, he was doing much better and seemed to have turned a corner, and I went into that phone call just sort of praying, God, I don't know what I'm going to get on the other line, but man, I just want you to know whatever you need me to say or speak, and I was just going in thinking, I just want to give to this person. And I prayed for him, and we talked for a while, but at the end of the phone call, I just said, man, I, I gotta say, I think I received more in this phone call than I gave. And you are just filled with this inexpressible joy that just flows from you. He was excited. He said, man, I hope I can get out of the hospital by Christmas. I, I know God is at work, and he's doing something amazing and stirring in people, and I wanna be there to see, see it and experience it, and I'm so happy for you, and I wanna pray over you. I'm like, no, I'm supposed to be praying for you. You're at the hospital. That's the way this relationship is gonna work. I'm like, he just exudes this. And I thought, man, that's the way I wanna live, regardless of the stuff that's going on in my life, that the joy that the Holy Spirit has placed in my heart has so transformed me. It doesn't matter what's going on around me. And why can we do that? Because we can trust the promises of God. And this is what I want to challenge you to do is maybe just grab a hold of one promise. Find one promise that you're just going to grab a hold of for the rest of the year and just let that sink into your DNA and let it change the way you live and the way you think. And maybe you're like, I don't know where to find a promise of God. I don't even know where to, to go. Well, you can almost open up any page of scripture and eventually you're gonna stumble across a promise of God. I'll give you one of my favorites. I use this one at baptism occasionally. It's from uh, Hebrews chapter 13. 
Verse five, he says this, keep your lives free from the love of money. That's a great way to live. And be content with what you have. That is a great goal to have. Because God has said, here's the promise, and this is the one I speak over at baptisms, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. God always keeps his promises. I intend to keep my promises, but I don't always keep them. God always, always, always keeps his promise. Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. So you can run away from me, but I'm not leaving you. And what a wonderful promise of God that in the craziness and chaoticness of life, that he will never leave us and forsake us so that we can say with confidence, even in 2020, we can still say this with confidence, that the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? And that's where joy comes from, is grabbing a hold of the promises of God and letting them resonate in your mind and get down into your soul and your heart, and it transforms the way you live. And that's where you find joy. Joy is not right around the corner. Joy is living inside of you. The Spirit of God who is living in you wants to bring that out of you.